Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books and Political Science podcast. My name is Heath Brown, and today I have the author of The Audacity of Hoop, Basketball and the Age of Obama. Uh, the book was published by Temple University Press, and the uh, author is Alexander Wolf. Alexander, how are you doing today? Just great, Heath. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's such a, um, a timely book, it's such an interesting book, and uh, a book that I've been looking forward to talking to you about. Before we get to it, would you tell us about your interesting background. Um, uh, you're, you're, you come to the subject in a little different way than, than typical university press authors do. Tell us just a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm the, the Sports Illustrated writer who gets thrown the assignments uh, generally where sports spills to some adjacent topic. Um, you know, it might be politics, it might be religion, it might be um, culture or fashion or uh, sometimes there's a whiff of scandal, but for years I did cover basketball for the magazine. I was the college basketball beat writer for most of those years. So I came into this topic really from the sports side of it after Obama's election in 08. Editors were curious about the role the game had played in his life to that point. And I did a kind of basketball biography of him that ran just before he was inaugurated. And at that point, I thought, oh, gee, if the game remains his companion as he goes through his presidency, there might be more to this story. So I began to collect notes as indeed the game was very much a part of his presidency. And then these great photos came out of the official White House photographer, Pete Souza. And at that point, I began to think, oh, it's more than just a textbook. It needs to have photos, too. Yeah, yeah. It's um, you, you may have described uh, uh, the ideal job that I had thought of when I was, I don't know, 15 years old. If I have, could have had your job, I, I think I would have been a very happy uh, teenager. It, it just sounds like such an interesting uh, beat to be on. And, and uh, the book is so interesting and other things that you've written uh, are, are equally interesting. Let's let's talk about the, the book, which is timely because we are, uh, as we're recording at the height of the college basketball season. I imagine you're busy in some ways, at least watching some of these games. And I think many people have, have probably seen the, the photos and some of the videos of the president playing basketball. Um, but I think you, you, it seems to me you argue in the book that this is more than just a hobby for him. Um, do we know for how long basketball has been meaningful to President Obama? How, how far back in his personal history uh, is the significance of this game apparent? Well, we can actually date it almost to a specific month and a specific year. He's given a basketball as a Christmas gift by his dad. That would have been December of 71. Uh, his father's making the very last visit to see him in Hawaii um, before he will die in a car accident. And then only a few weeks after that, Obama's grandfather, who's with his grandmother, is raising him, takes him to a University of Hawaii game time the rainbows had this wonderful team the fabulous five that would for the first time ever make the ncaa tournament 
And Obama writes in his memoir, Dreams from My Father, how much of an impression that game made on him. So he's been given the ball. He then goes as this young African-American kid in Hawaii, not many other kids looking like him at the time, sees these five black starters uh, who clearly have the crowd in the palms of their hands. Uh, and is, this makes a huge impression on him. And he decides that basketball will be uh, a tool in his toolkit. And he makes his way through adolescence playing the game. Dad's not around to kind of teach him how to work through the fundamentals and develop a right hand. So he's, he's a very self-taught player who can't go to his right. Um, but he has this great love for the game and his high school coach recognizes it, but doesn't really find a place for him in the regular rotation, which I think touches off this kind of unrequited relationship that keeps him playing pickup ball through the rest of his life. Now, does it matter that president Obama's game is basketball and, and not football or baseball? These are sports that previous presidents have all not just played, but adored, and, and some have played even at very high levels. So is, is this just a flip of a coin sport, or does the sport itself um, have some particular meaning? I think it, it is a signifier, very much so. I think um, it, it, as a Democratic politician, basketball is the kind of untidy sport, like the party is <laughs> untidy sometimes. Um, and it's played and followed by what you could call the Obama coalition, um, given age and ethnicity. Um, but I think even beyond that, his playing pickup basketball, I think, speaks to a generational change. If you, there's a great photo in the book, I love it, of um, Obama cooling out after having played in Hollywood with a few actors, including George Clooney and Don Cheadle. And um, that picture, I think, if we rewind 30 years, it would have been Gerald Ford with Jackie Gleason and Bob Hope at Jackie Gleason's Inverary Classic. You know, it would have been a, a golf image. And pickup basketball is very much a baby boomer male way of bonding. And, and I think in some ways has supplanted golf. Um, and you have, I think, too, when lay a little poli scion as best as I can, you had the whole Michael Mandelbaum um, taxonomy about baseball being this agrarian game and football being sort of the organizational industrial game and basketball in, in his words is, is kind of the networked uh, game. It's very reflective of, of our times in the digital world. And Obama created, literally created a network for himself in Chicago friends, social friends, and, and then the people who helped launch his political career. And then he comes to Washington and you have Arne Duncan in his cabinet, who's a very accomplished player and even some of the women in the cabinet have basketball backgrounds like Susan Rice and Mary Jo White. So um, I think it was very much a generational um, signifier, this this game, um, in addition to being kind of more in tune with with Democratic Party. sympathies. Now, you recount some some interesting stories from the campaign trail. Um, how did basketball enter into the campaign schedule in 2008? And. And did the president play a game on Election Day? Was How, how important uh, did this ultimately turn out for uh, the campaign, successful campaign that he ran in 2008? Well, David Axelrod, his political advisor, told me that they were very reluctant to roll him out as a basketball player. That in terms of political messaging, this would play into a racial stereotype. Um, at the same time, he clearly loved the game. And if you can show... Uh, people in the in the electorate 
something that's sincere and natural about a politician, there in general is only an upside to that. So they, the way they split the difference was in New Hampshire, where the candidate was already getting perhaps overexposed to the electorate. Um, after a while, they said, OK, let's have him play in small groups early in the day, these long campaign days. So he would play with firefighters and patrolmen and never had to have his arm twisted to jump into a game because he loved it and it was exercise and so forth. Um, and then there was a period in May, I think, about four or five weeks before the Indiana and North Carolina primaries. And those are two big basketball states, as we know. And um, Obama was um, encouraged to go out and play in public. He scrimmaged with the North Carolina Tar Heel varsity. and AP cameras were there to document it. He would play three on three in Indiana. And he wound up doing pretty well in those states, won those primaries, and then actually flipped them. The two reddest states he flipped to blue um, in the general election. So I make the argument, and I'm sure this will fall apart if subjected to <laughs> the rigor of people in your profession, Heath. Um, but I do make the case that, at least on the margins, basketball could have made the difference in, in flipping these states. Because it was, remember the narrative that's going on at the time. You have Sarah Palin with the palling around with terrorists line. And this was a way to say, certainly in those environments, that I'm just a regular guy, and it's extended even in office to him filling out these tournament brackets. So, so maybe there's a doctoral student out there who's willing to actually empirically test this uh, provocative thesis that, that you have suggested. I, who knows if it's, it's true or not, but it's a really interesting part of the campaign. And I think you're, you're so right in talking about the, the, uh, the trade-offs that came from from using this side of the of the president's background as a as such a uh, visible part of the campaign, but it doesn't just end there. It it really does continue into the public dimensions of the Obama White House. I wonder if you could talk about some of the the notable ways that the sport has been involved in 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 public outreach and and diplomatic efforts and and even in relations with Congress. Well, there there certainly is is the American soft power, power component. Of the game. The NBA is more popular in China than it is in the U.S., certainly larger number of actual fans over there. So when Obama would travel, he would name check NBA players from the country he's visiting. When he is hosting, say, leaders from China, um, they would frequently turn to talk of Yao Ming and, and the game that, that they all seem to love, even as they were having these quarrels over things like cybersecurity and trade. But the thing that really opened my eyes, and I had really no sense of of how deep this involvement was, was you could also make the case, you know, perhaps it's a, a, a stretch again, much like the North Carolina and Indiana flipping case. But I, I do make the argument that at least on the margins, basketball helped save the Affordable Care Act. You have to remember that pundits in Washington were essentially writing the obituary for the healthcare exchanges because of that bulky rollout of the website. And they had, I think, under the gun from about October to March, this window where they had to hit a sign-ups target of about 10 million people. And they had to be young, relatively healthy people to balance out the older, sicker ones who were going to sign up for the exchanges anyway. So what does the administration do? They get Grant Hill, I'm sorry, Alonzo Mourning, who suffered from kidney disease, and Magic Johnson, of course, HIV positive, cut these PSAs and saying, hey, you need to you need to sign up because you never know what will happen. Look what happened to us. You had Kobe Bryant and LeBron James who'd recently made visits to the White House with their championship teams 
pushing out over social media the same message. And all this stuff is being run on the NBA TV channels precisely during the, the uh, sign-up period, which is the NBA season. And lo and behold, they do meet their target. So I think because you're, you're dealing with a population that loves basketball, it's young, it's ethnically diverse, it's exactly the kinds of people they needed to sign up. They had all this free, these free channels to reach these people, and they did. And that was a kind of undertold story at the time, but with a little digging, you can, you can actually see the contours of it. So that was a thing I'd hoped <laughs> when I made note to self, gee, let me see if he uses the game in office. I hope something like that might happen. And sure enough, it did. Yeah. And you, I think you make this really strong, compelling case of the significance in, in uh, uh, obvious and sometimes less obvious ways. But this all does raise um, a somewhat awkward question, which is the following. Is the president any good? Is, is the president a good <laughs> basketball player? Have you watched the president play? Have you talked to people who have played with him? Does he have a particularly Hawaiian style to his game. Would you tell us just about the president as a basketball player? You know, he uh, he's self-taught. Uh, he learned it on the playgrounds. Um, he, he obviously was coached in high school, but felt on the outs. And you can trace a kind of domestication of his game over the years because he wound up in Chicago playing with guys with real pedigrees. You know, former Harvard captain Arnie Duncan, former Princeton captain John Rogers is Brother-in-law Craig Robinson also played at Princeton. A bunch of his best friends were Division Three players. So he's in this basketball pickup circle that's that's pretty buttoned up. And so the the guy who who learned it on the streets and was all playground um, becomes more and more over the years, I think, domesticated. And um, the, the best description I heard from somebody was he's very good at playing with those who are better than he is. Uh, which is a kind of pickup basketball type that I think people who play the game under those circumstances will recognize. And it strikes me too how that's a, somewhat analogous to what a president has to be. You know, you have to you have to sit in a room and meet with people who know more than you do and somehow fit in and synthesize. And ultimately, it's your call, but that ability to fit in. Um, and Obama has that swagger and confidence that borders on cockiness. Sometimes you see it in his political persona sometimes. Um, but I think as a basketball player, he's dialed it back enough to a certain certain humility. I mean, he's a streaky shooter, still can't really go to his right, um, dunked once or twice when he was 16 and, and hasn't since. So no, he doesn't, he's not the full package, <laughs> but um, he's a pretty good study and, and he does know how to fit in. And I think that served him well on the court as well, you could argue, in office. Now, there are such great photos in the book. Um, are there one or two that stick out to you um, as, as particularly telling or that maybe you had um, you discovered upon your searching? Um, tell us a little bit about that aspect of this very visual book. Well, very early on, I discovered that all of the official White House photos were free to use editorially um, because you and I and all, all our listeners today, we pay for it with our taxes. So I was delighted to learn that. Um, you just can't use them on the cover uh, because that's considered a promotional use. Um, so I, I established a relationship with Pete Souza fairly early in the process, the official White House photographer. And at one point I mentioned to him that there was one image I'd heard about the president playing with his daughters. And I wondered if 
he could identify it and share it with me. And they're very protective of the girls for privacy reasons. But he said he would check with the first family. And sure enough, one of the pictures he let me use is probably my favorite in the book because of the backstory to it. The president's dribbling toward the camera and he's got Malia on his right and Sasha on his left. And they two are dribbling toward the camera. And Obama has said that with his dad abandoning him as a child, it probably affected his ability to round out his game. You know, my dad could have taken me to the park and worked on my offhand with me, but he wasn't around to do it. And here Obama is discharging from the fatherly duty that his dad shirked with his two girls. And Obama in the photograph is actually dribbling with his right hand, his offhand. So if you know a little bit about that backstory, the, the picture takes on a real poignancy. So that's probably my favorite. Um, there's some of the, the best, the most artistic photos in the book, um, the ones that Pete likes the best. There's one great one of a low angling late afternoon light um, hitting the president when he's flipping the ball up. And um, there are a handful of others that, that are just beautifully composed. Uh, but I, I love that one with the daughters just because of what it what it signals is almost a full circle image. Yeah, it's, it's uh, such an interesting uh, book is a little little different than the the typical books that we feature on the podcast, but I think for the, all of the reasons that you have noted uh, today, it, it does fit into this larger consideration of uh, the Obama presidency. Uh, the title of the book again is "The Audacity of Hoop: Basketball and the Age of Obama," published by Temple University Press. The author is Alexander Wolf. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Heath. Thanks so much for your interest.